Welcome to the sermon podcast for New Life Church's Cabot Campus. We are located at 3400 West Main Street in Cabot, Arkansas. Our service times are Sundays at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. To find more information about what we believe, upcoming events, and more, please visit newlifechurch.tv or you can text the word Cabot to 88000. Um, this summer, we've been diving into the book of Matthew. Everybody say the word. The word, we're so excited about just focusing on one gospel. Now, not every pastor is obedient like me um, and that I won't deviate. I'm like, if we're in Matthew, then I'm gonna be right there in Matthew. Um, but no, I love when the Holy Spirit moves and someone speaks outside of the sermon series and that's totally fine. But we have been in the book of Matthew and this morning, if you're taking notes or you have notes, we're gonna be in chapter um, 13. Um, but before I get to that, um, I just wanna talk about why. Like, why are we just focused on Matthew? It's because our hope is that this summer that you could just focus, um, that you could dive into Matthew and that everyone by the fall would have a new love, a deep love for the word, um, that by the fall that you would have a heart set on fire to move and to work, um, to see kingdom business done here. And that also we would desire for all of us, the whole church to grow um, in our faith like never before. And so we believe that God is bringing a harvest. Um, what's been happening over the last month, month and a half in the summer is we're growing in the summer. Now, I don't know if you know this, but in church world and attendance, that doesn't normally happen. Normally numbers go down and we're still kind of hitting the marks we were hitting in the spring. And so we know that when the fall comes and everyone's done vacationing and kids are back in school, that there's gonna be a harvest here in this church, but also we believe a harvest in our community and we want to be ready. You guys have heard the, the, the verse that says the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. That's right. And our heart and my heart is that the harvest is plentiful and we desire to have lots of people ready to work and ready to serve the ripe fields of Cabot, Arkansas, Lone Oak County and the state. Amen. So here's the thing. I'm gonna pray really quick as we get into the word. I tell the kids in Kid Life, you're gonna hear that saying a couple times this morning, that anytime we open this book, that we need to stop and recognize that it's not just a book. It's actually 66 books with over 40 offers written over 2000 years. And here's the deal. When we get into this book, something supernatural happens. The creator of the universe wants to speak directly to us. So let's stop and pray and just ask God to help us open our hearts. Father, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for your word. Thank you for how you speak and how you move and how you do want to communicate to each and every heart and person in this room. And we thank you so much for who you are and who you created us to be. I pray for everyone in this room to experience your spirit this morning, that they would understand the call that you've put on their life and the mission that you've given them. We thank you, Lord, for Jesus we thank you, Jesus, for what you did on the cross so we could have a relationship with Father God and Holy Spirit. We pray that you would just move amongst us, be the counselor and comforter that we know you are. Jesus, in your holy name that we pray. And everybody said, amen. amen. Did you guys know that Cabot is ripe for harvest? I hope that you know that you're in a community that just doesn't stop growing. Um, people are moving here in droves. I don't know if you've tried to buy or sell a house in the last year, but it's crazy. I have realist, realtor friends and I've talked to them and it's like, we can't find enough houses to sell. Like it's hard out there. Not only that, but businesses are just moving here. 
Um, we got Freddy's and Slim's, and I've heard of other chicken restaurants that are coming. I hope that's true. Um, you never know because there's been rumors and rumors of rumors and rumors of rumors of chicken for years. Um, but two new hotels are being built. Um, I think that's mainly because you like baseball and we have this sports complex. I heard that if you come here on a tournament weekend, you have to go like 45 minutes away to find an empty hotel room. And so they're coming because they know that they can come here and there'll be places for people to stay. But with that, there's growth in our economy. There's growth in population. But here's the thing. I believe in the next six to 12 months that we could see supernatural growth in the kingdom of God, that people will get saved and discipled and the atmosphere of our city will change. And I just wanna be ready. I just wanna be ready because here's the thing. You and I, we're planted here for such a time as this, for such a time as this, amen? I've always enjoyed seeing little become much. I've always enjoyed ROI, return on investment. Like I wish I could go back and invest in Bitcoin when it was brand new. Man, who knew, right? But this passage that we're gonna be looking at today, it's not talking about money, but it is talking about investment and it is talking about returns. So I wanna be clear that this isn't talking about money. It's not talking about wealth. This is talking about a harvest and it's talking about the word of God and how when we plant the word of God, when we sow the word of God, it can grow and reap a harvest. And so write this down if you're taking notes that the sower in our, in our parable today is Jesus. The sower is Jesus. He is the one that sows the seeds. Now we get to be part of that, the implement. Maybe if you've ever planted grass and you have a, a spreader of seed, maybe that's what we are, I don't know. I just know that the sower in this passage is Jesus and the seed that is thrown is the word of God, the gospel. The seed that is thrown is the word of God, the gospel. And Jesus in this parable talks about four soils, four different kinds of soils. And so he lists each one and the four soils are the conditions of the human heart. So everyone can fall into one of these four categories. I even think that you can have some mixture of soils in your heart right now. The next thing that has always stuck out to me from this text is that the sower, he scattered the seed amongst four different soils, but only one of them was successful. One of those four soils was fruitful and the other three, not so much. Now I'm pretty good at math, not so much at English. Um, in college, my bride had to help me write almost every paper because she said I wrote like a police officer. And when you read it, it wasn't very colorful. So yes, my wife helped me get through all the college English classes I had to take, hashtag cheating. It's okay, we were married and the pastor said, you two are now one. So it was like she was doing it as part of me. Um, and I helped her at math because she's not very good at math. But I always have been good at math. Now I'm pretty good at math and not so much on the English. And this verse, I can see right away, doesn't seem like a very good return on investment. The percentages are a little off, only 25%. But here's what we have to do. We have to shift our worldly lens. And we have to filter this passage through the Holy Spirit. I wanna boldly tell you that anytime the word of God is preached and the gospel is shared, it's 100% worth it every single time. And that's whether it's from the pulpit or whether it's around a kitchen table or with coffee with a friend. That anytime the word goes out, there's an opportunity for it to find good soil, even if, even if it may only be received 24% of the time, it's worth it every single time. 
And our responsibility is not someone else's response to the word of God. Our responsibility is our own response and the ability to steward what God has given us through his word and to share that word with others. My responsibility as a Christ follower is the condition and the position of my own heart. I would love to be able to be responsible for all of your hearts, but I'm not. But I pray for your hearts. I pray for the people in this room. I know that life is hard. As a pastor, this passage of scripture can be sometimes discouraging and disheartening, knowing that in a room full of people just like this, that there's a possibility that only 25% of the word spoken would be responded to. Now, here's the thing. As a pastor, sometimes I get invited by friends or I go to a wedding or to a funeral at another church. And it can be very easy to become judgmental. It can be very easy to have a heart that may be closed off. And I wanna say, I can relate to that. I can definitely relate to that. But here's the thing. Anytime the word is spoken, we have to know that it doesn't return void. It's one of the reasons I love teaching kids. Because when I'm in kid life and I'm teaching first through fourth grade, and I tell them the story of Jericho, right? And I say, hey, here's what happened. The Israelites were going through to the promised land and they come across this town named Jericho, which had these impenetrable walls. And God told Moses and those guys, hey, if you'll just march around and blow some trumpets and bang on some pots and yell really loud, the walls will fall. And they did that and that's what happened. Now, if I tell a bunch of adults that, your brains start thinking, how can that happen? Was there like, did God make an earthquake happen? Or was it, was it termites or locusts came and ate the walls? Like what, what happened? Kids, they're just like, Pastor Bernie, what happened next? They just, they just received God's truth innocently. But what happens is over time, our hearts become hardened and calloused and, and because of there's maybe some damage there, maybe church hurt. Um, and as a pastor, that hurts me. Like you may be sitting here today, maybe even our church, maybe one of our pastors or one of our leaders has hurt you in the past to where your heart is not completely open to hear what God wants to speak to you. And I just wanna say, I'm sorry. And that God loves you and he cares so much about you. And he wants your heart to be open to his word, no matter where the source of that word is coming from. And so we have to know that as adults, we have to guard our heart. I've learned that the question is not, will we spend our life worshiping? It's who or what will we spend our life worshiping? Today, it's important to know that in all of our hearts, someone or something sits on the throne and something or someone has your worship. So I wanna spend the next bit of time as we break down these scriptures and I wanna do a simple evaluation to figure out how is your soil? How is, that's what Jesus equated our hearts to is soil. And that's the title of today's message. If you wanna circle that or highlight on your notes, write it down. How's your soil? I recently heard about an article called Soil's Not Sexy. And it was a gardening magazine and it stated how much everyone deserves to have the fruit, but not many people take good care of the soil that they plant their garden in. They just plant it. I actually talked to a guy in the, in the lobby, one of my friends in the lobby after service said, hey, I can totally rate. I went and I bought some maple trees and we threw those in the ground. We dug some holes and they both died because we didn't even think about how much water was in the ground. Um, so it's true. This is all from this article. It said, soil is made up of minerals, air, water, organic matter, living organisms. It is the interface between the atmosphere and the bedrock. Man, that's good right there. 
When I read this, I was like, this is going to preach. This is a good message. There are more microorganisms in one teaspoon of good soil than there are humans on the earth. There's a significant difference between dirt and soil. Dirt is misplaced soil. So turn your neighbor and say, you got some dirt on you. I'm just kidding, don't say that. But here's the thing. When dirt, when soil leaves where it's supposed to, if it gets in your house, it's lost its source of life. It's no longer connected to what it needs to to bring life. It's no longer productive. When building a house, they test the soil for lots of things. Soil gravity, dry density, foundation possibility. I'm learning a lot about this right now as I'm overseeing our parking lot construction. Um, we ran into some water out there. We had to do some digging and, and move some things and put in some drains. And um, I'm so excited, just kind of side note, about the parking. I hope you are too. And I hope when you see that out there, they're moving fast. They're already got some curbs and gutters going in. We're putting in the islands. Um, we got electricity being run for new light poles and sprinklers, plumbing and all that. And it's, it's a big project. But here's what I want you to know is that that doesn't represent just more blacktop. What you see out there represents a car that's gonna be able to park easily where a family's gonna be able to come in our doors without being stressed out about parking so from our, far from our church. That parking represents souls. I hope you see that, that the vision of that is that this building needs to be bigger for more kids. And we need to have more parking because kids take up a lot of car seats. So that is just about going forward. And I just wanna say thank you because we didn't have to really worry about what that was gonna cost. We were able to just say, yes, let's do it. We, we, we did do our due diligence, but because you're faithful, because the people in this church are faithful, um, we were just able to pull the trigger and make that happen. I'm so thankful to be part of a church like that. My son, Caleb, he's actually in the audience of the service. He's, he's actually in college at A-State and he's going to school to be a civil engineer. And he, he said, hey, dad, I'm a junior now. I gotta, I gotta be thinking about internships and jobs and I wanna go apprentice somewhere. And so he applied a bunch of places and one place called him and said, hey, when I come, you to come in. And you know, I thought that if he went to work for an engineering firm, um, even as an apprentice, that he would have to have like a little bit of a wardrobe change, like tie and shirt and, you know, nice clothes. And he shows up for the interview. He said, that is the dirtiest place I've ever been. They bring back core samples to the office and there is a lab and there's dirt everywhere because that's what they do. They test the density. And he actually runs this piece of equipment. He got qualified to run this piece of equipment that is ground penetrating radar. These rods go down to the to the to the earth and he's got to wear like a rad detector and, and carry this piece of equipment in the work truck. But if he gets in an accident, he's got to call EMS and hazmat and say, hey, there's radioactive material in the truck uh, and he can't stop for coffee. He's got to go to and from and only there. This is serious business, people. <laughs> the point is this. It's important that if you're going to build a structure that you have a good, strong foundation. It's kind of similar to when you're going to plant a garden. If you're going to plant a garden, you know, if you're a good gardener, you take the soil and have it tested and they test for things like the nutrients, the, the macronutrients, the nitrogen, the phosphorus. Um, I searched and tried to figure out what's the most important th thing. My mom's planting a garden in our yard. What's the most important thing if you're gonna plant a garden? And you would think, well, it's how often you water, especially here, you know, here you plant something tomorrow, it's dead because it's so hot. So you gotta make sure you water it. Maybe it's I thought maybe it was the insect repellent or the fencing you use to keep animals out, or maybe it's the gardener, you know, that's important. But none of those things matter unless you start with good soil. None of those things matter unless you start with good soil. 
So here's the thing. Jesus talks about the seed. He talks about the soil. So when receiving the word of God, Jesus, he talks about four different types. He talks about the hardened path, the rocky, the thorns, and then the good soil. Here's the only test you need to know that if you're gonna throw word of God as seed, here's the only test because Jesus tells us in verse nine, he says, those who have ears, let them hear. So everybody reach up and grab your lobes, give them a little tug. Did you bring your ears with you to church this morning? Hopefully you did. Look at your neighbor and say, I hope you got your ears. All right, and the next test is put your fingers right here. Now, wives, if you do this for your husbands, don't squeeze too hard. We don't want anybody unalived here this morning. If you have a pulse and you have ears, then Jesus is saying, awesome. You're a perfect candidate to hear the word of God. If you're alive this morning, then you need the seed. You need the word. You need to be challenged. You need to grow because you have a purpose and God wants to fulfill that purpose in you. And the way that happens is we desperately need good soil in our heart for that word to take hold. So Matthew chapter 13, verse one says, that same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into the boat and he sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. So I love this because our savior is at a house and there was huge crowds And I'm sure he was just like, man, okay, I did my work here. It's time to go. And he leaves and the people follow him to the beach. I love the beach. And I just love the picture of Jesus going to the beach. But it says that there was huge crowds at the beach that wanted to hear from Jesus. And there were so many people that they couldn't all see and they couldn't all hear. And that was a problem because Jesus wanted to talk to everybody. And I love that he would use whatever and whenever to present the word of God to people so they could understand. So it says he got in a boat. Our savior got in a boat. And I can imagine the religious leaders of the day just being furious, going, what is he doing? Why is he in a boat? He should be at the synagogue. That's where you teach. But Jesus didn't do it that way. He taught on the hillsides. He taught from a boat. He taught in houses. And then how he taught was different because it says in verse three, then he told them things in parables saying, he used familiar things like gardening and soil and planting of crops because everybody knew about that to talk about the unfamiliar things of people's hearts. They didn't have any idea about any of that. And I love that about Jesus. He used the familiar to understand the unfamiliar. Continuing on in verse three, he said this, a farmer went out to sow his seed. And as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path and the birds came came and ate it up. So the first kind of soil we're talking about is the path. And this is the trampled or hardened heart. This is a soil that's not easily to be penetrated. And I love that Jesus didn't just give them these parables, but actually, if you read this whole chapter, part of it, his disciples are asking him, hey, what what does this mean? And so in verse 18, we can scroll down and we can see, because Jesus tells us exactly what this means. He says, listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in their heart. This is the seed that's sown along the path. So this is a heart that's been hardened by sin. This is a heart that's calloused and the seed of God's word can't penetrate physically or spiritually, cannot enter that person's heart. To living for pleasure of this world and not looking to Jesus, a life full of sin will cause a calloused heart. There are times that people leave church and I've been there. I've been in places where 
I've left church. I mean, I really didn't get anything out of that today. Well, guess who that's on? It's on me. Because when the word of God is preached, it doesn't matter who the conveyor is. It's a condition of my heart, whether or not it's received. So I do want to bring some awareness around this question. Has your heart become too hardened to receive the word of God? Has it become too hardened? Because this is the path. It says the word is scattered amongst it. And my fear is that sometimes the enemy comes in and plucks it away. Meaning that sometimes by the time we get to our cars, we've already lost what God was trying to do inside of us. Next is the rocky soil, the rocky soil. And this is the condition of a shallow heart. Verse five says, some fell fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. Everybody circle that word, shallow. Verse six says, but when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. You underline that, they had no root. Verse 20, Jesus says, the seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with great joy. This is good news. Like they heard the word of God and they received it. They're like, yes, this is awesome. But Jesus continues and he says, but since they have no roots, they last only a short time when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. One of the best tests to see if you're rooted, to see if your faith runs deep, to see if you have rocky soil is by asking three or four questions. The first one is, how do I handle opposition? What does my life look like when opposition comes? Jesus said, he promised that in this world, we're gonna have trouble. How do I respond to adversity? How do I respond to adversity? James, Jesus' brother said, consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. When everything doesn't turn out how I thought it would, do I run towards the Lord in his word or do I run from it? Do I see trials come in my life? Do I just see a way to get out of those trials or do I focus on the Lord and endure the trial asking the question, Lord, what are you trying to do inside of me as I walk through this trial? Am I faithful only when things are going well for me? This is what I call circumstantial faith. I will follow Jesus as long as everything is a blessing. I will follow Jesus if I have abundantly more than what I need. I will follow Jesus if I get what I desire. In today's day and age, it's easy to say, I will follow Jesus as long as I believe the truth that I believe, even if God's word says that that's not true. God has created all of us and he is the creator and he gets to decide who he created and how he created them. It's a very dangerous theology to try to twist what God's word says to understand him and have circumstantial faith around what we believe instead of what God's word says we should believe. It's very shallow. I want you to notice that the seed wasn't spread on actual rocks. That there was soil there, but just beneath the soil, it was rocky ground, rocky ground. It looks like good soil, but it's not. The soil was a great example that Jesus, he did not come here to make converts to Christianity. 
Jesus came to make fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. He came to make disciples. I'm super thankful when we're in a service and lots of hands are raised to make a decision to follow Jesus. I'm equally excited and, and I love it whenever I get to pray with a kid to trust Jesus to be the boss of their life. But I want you to know that that's not why we exist as a church. It's not just to get people to a place of conversion. Our job, our mission statement is for you to be able to bring your friends and your family in these doors so that they will become fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ, not just converts to Christianity. My job as a kid life pastor is not to see kids get saved. That's a side benefit. My job as a kid life pastor, the way it's written down for me, is that my job is to partner with mom and dad, with parents, to see kids raised as fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. That's why we're here. That's why we exist. Jesus said that the heat of the sun scorched the plant because it had no root. The very thing that gives plants life, which is the sun, can also be the thing that takes it out if the root has not been established. We have to be rooted in our faith because we are made for adversity. We're made for adversity. Why? You were made for adversity so that you could endure the things that you have to endure and that you would go through on this side of eternity because as you do that, you're showing people what Jesus is like. You're showing Christ to them. That's called your testimony. A mature believer is fueled by adversity. It means that you're on the right path when opposition comes. I was talking to a real life pastor and he says, he's always trying to talk to his students about, hey, if you feel like you're going with all the flow of everything else the other students in your school are going with, then you might be going the wrong direction. As a Christian, as a believer in Jesus, a lot of times we're having to swim upstream from the climate and the culture of our world. The rocky soil has an emotional response to follow Jesus. And those same emotions that led people to follow Jesus up until his death were the same emotions that when they put him on the cross led them to abandon him when times got tough. That's the rocky soil. Next is the thorns. And this is the crowded heart. It says, other seeds fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. And then Jesus gives us the answer. He says in verse 22, the seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of his life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word and make it unfruitful. See, keep in mind that people hearing the word of God, every time you hear it, you're forced with, to make a decision. And the decision is this. Am I gonna follow what the word says or am I gonna follow what the world says? And that makes us unfruitful if we do that. I've learned that flirting with the pleasures of the world while trying to follow Jesus is a dangerous combination. When I was um, 16 years old, 17 years old, I was a junior in high school and I didn't know what I was gonna do with my life, but I knew that the military was a great option. And I had a brother that was in the Air Force and I got to visit him. And so my junior year of high school, I actually entered into um, a delayed entry program where I joined the Air Force. I raised my hand and said, I'm gonna go when I graduate. And that was cool because it guaranteed me a job that I wanted to have. And um, 
and I knew my plan. I graduated high school and I joined the Air Force. Um, when I was growing up, my parents took me to church. Most Sundays we went, um, but it was the kind of church, unlike ours, it's not like this church, where there's lots of creeds, and when you turn a certain age, there's confirmation, and you go through classes. And so I had a lot of knowledge about God. I knew a lot about Jesus. I knew a lot of scripture. I memorized all those creeds. But at no point did I ever make a decision that I was gonna give him my life. I'm sure it worked for some people. It just didn't work for me. I never made a decision that Jesus was gonna be my Lord and my savior. I was basically doing it because it was religion. It was what we did on Sundays. And so when I joined the Air Force, I just left all that behind. I just, I didn't go to church. I wasn't in church. And so that led to some bad decisions. It led to me living in a place where I was the boss of my life. Like I would do whatever my heart wanted to do. I didn't care about anybody else. I was doing the will of Bernie. There was a lot of nights where those, that will of Bernie got me into trouble. I had a history of bad decisions and it drew me to a place where I knew I needed it to change and I needed God, but I still stiff armed. And it was thankfully my bride who was like, hey, if we're gonna date, then you gotta go to church. We went to this little small church where everyone carried a Bible and every Sunday the gospel was preached. And God began to move in my life. And one day I was like, I, I know I need him. I need to relinquish control. I need to make him my Lord and my savior. So if you all ever heard the advice, just follow your heart. You may have even said, I've said it in the past, just, just follow your heart. Maybe you've told your kids, just follow whatever your heart wants to do. That's horrible advice. Because the Bible is clear. It says that every deceitful thing comes out of a person's heart. If, and, and I got in trouble by Stephanie. She said, it's not the twos, it's the fours. I still think it's the twos. If you go to the two-year-old class right now, I always tell the kid life kids, hey, we're gonna take a field trip because sometimes there's disagreements in kid life about is everyone a sinner? I'm like, we'll go, I'll show you. We'll go to the two-year-old class right now. That's why there's so much crying back there. It's because some kid in his heart wanted a toy that another kid had and they have no filter. So they just push them and take the toy. They're a bunch of knuckle dragon sinners. <laughs> That's how we're born. We're born selfish. The desire of our heart is that we want what we want and we don't care what's in the way of us getting it. Soil mixed with thorns is much like candy mixed with poison. It seems good for a season, but eventually it will absolutely destroy you from the inside out. Jesus mentions a couple things, chasing money. Sometimes we can get so caught up with making a living that we completely forget what we're living for. Chasing pleasure, addiction, glory, fame. Guess what? In the end, none of those things matter. Chasing anything but Jesus will lead you to an unfruitful life, an unsatisfying life, and an unproductive faith. The good soil, the last one, it's the fruitful heart. It's the fruitful heart. Verse eight said, still other sea fell on good soil where it produced a crop, 160 or even 30 times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. And then Jesus explains this in verse 23. He says, but the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who not only hears the word, but they understand it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160, 30 times what was sown. Someone who hears, but also understands. One of my life verses, if you will, kind of something that's just been ingrained in me is I love 
2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 5, that says, because of God's marvelous glory and excellence that he has given us great and precious promises. And these are the promises that help us escape the world's corruption and to live a godly life. So God's given us these promises in his word that basically those promises are what enable us to live like Jesus. I don't know if you know this, but like if you came to me and said, Pastor Bernie, if you would deny your faith, I'd give you a million dollars. I would never do that because I've taken the verse that says, whoever confesses with your mouth and believes in their heart that Jesus is Lord, I've taken that verse and not only did I get in my mind, but it's moved to my heart. It's become part of my DNA, part of who I am. And I would never deny that verse. Similarly, verse, uh, Romans 8, 28 says, God works all things to the good of those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. Like I've taken that verse, it's become part of who I am, that no matter what situation I walk into, no matter what trial, no matter what adversity, I know that promise is for me. And no matter what happens in my life, God didn't cause it, but he can use it. So I trust him. That's what Jesus is talking about. He's talking about, hey, you can't just know this. You have to understand it. It has to move from a place of knowledge to a place of belief in your hearts. But the only soil that receives that is a heart that's open to receive it. That's the good soil, that God's word is true. It's everlasting. I find it interesting that right after the good soils recognizes good soil, Jesus then talks about, look at the fruit. It's identified because of what it produces. It's measured by its fruitfulness. You may have heard it said, you can judge a fruit or you can judge a tree by its fruit. Is your life bearing good fruit today? Is your, are your relationships fruitful? And then the second part of that is the seed that we're given, it's cool because it produces fruit in our life, but it's also being meant to be passed along. So the last point is don't let the seed stop with you. Don't let the seed stop with you. Once you receive God's grace and God's word on good soil, now you will reproduce those things in others. And I just be honest with you as one of the pastors around here is that we need a lot of help. Every ministry needs people. Every week, Stephanie and I go, I don't know how we're gonna make this schedule work. God is faithful and he brings the people we need. But wouldn't it be nice if the people that serve could have a weekend off? Some of the people around here serve way too much. They need to be in this room way more often. They need a break to spend time with their family. Some people aren't serving at all. And my heart is that, hey, I don't care where you serve. I just want you serving somewhere. I would never say it, but I've heard it said from this stage, one of, one of our executive pastors, I'm just gonna repeat it. He said an unserving Christian is an oxymoron. We're called to serve. Once you make Jesus the Lord of your life, it doesn't stop there. We have to go from consumer to contributor. We need to contribute to the kingdom of God. And guess what? We're growing and we're looking ahead to the fall and we're going, what can we do to get more people involved? Because here's what I know, when you're obedient, when you're obedient to what God's put in your heart or what he's called you to do, then blessing happens every time. That is the promise. That is the promise that we're blessed when we obey 
what God has called us to do. Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, small group after small group after small group, conversation after conversation after conversation, sermon after sermon after sermon. That is what we are praying for as a staff, as leadership to happen through and in this place that people's lives would be changed by the word of God through the blood of the lamb, but also by the word of your testimony of the things that you've walked through Please bow your heads and close your eyes all across this place. I don't know how you walked in here this morning and I don't know what's going on in your life, but here's what I know is that there is a God who loves you and cares about you. And he wants to meet with you right now, right there in your chair. This is between you and God. This isn't between you and your neighbor. This is between you and God. This is a moment that we've been praying for that I've been expecting for people's lives to be changed. I would just want you to do an evaluation of where is your heart? This message I'm preaching to myself, but it's also for you. It's the word of God that goes forth and is the seed that's thrown. And so I would just ask, where is your heart this morning? Maybe you're in a place where you're like, man, I've never surrendered control of my life. I've never actually made Jesus the Lord of my life. I don't want you to make a decision based on, I wanna get to heaven. I want you to make a decision based on, I know Jesus did all those things and so he deserves my worship. He deserves to be the boss of my life. And then as a benefit of that, we get an amazing savior that is preparing a place for us in heaven. So if you're here this morning and you've never prayed that prayer out loud, you've never said, Jesus, please forgive me. I trust you. It's really simple. Or maybe you're in this place and you've never, or you have given your life to Jesus, but you've run from him. You know God's put things on your heart to do, things on your heart to say. He's given you purpose and a calling, but you've stiff-armed him. Both those people, I'd just love to pray with you this morning. So if you're here this morning and you wanna accept what Jesus did for you, or you're ready to come back to him, if you would just slip up your hand and look up at me, because no one's looking around, just so I can know who I'm praying with. I got you. I got you. Anybody else? I got you. I got you in the back. Thank you. Yeah, people's hands going up all over. Thank you so much. Anyone else? You just know you're far from God. You know your heart's been in a place. I got you. Or you're ready to surrender for the first time. Okay, I got you. Thank you. Thank you for being bold. Yes, sir. Thank you. I got you, man. Okay, let's pray. Right there in your seat, you can just say a prayer that goes something like this. You say, dear Jesus, I'm sorry that I've made mistakes. I've lived for myself. I ask you to please forgive me that say, Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you died and rose again, that because of your death on the cross, that my mistakes are forgiven. And that I choose you to be my Lord and my savior. I prayerfully ask that you just walk with me every single day as I live out the rest of my life. And I thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, 
Amen.